Welcome to Contracting Conversations. My name is Scott Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Valley. Today, we are talking with Darren Sackett, DAU's Learning Asset Manager for CON 3990, the Contracting Certification Exam. This is the second conversation we've had with Darren about the course. Welcome, Darren. Thanks, Scott. Great to be here and great to be talking with you again about the uh, CON Certification Exam. Awesome. Well, Jim and I are happy to have you back. To get us started, can you tell us how many people have taken the exam at this point? Yeah, I sure can. Um, and and that's a great question. We've, you know, it's been since February of 2022. So we're at about 13 months. And uh, just like, you know, when we first were together, we said, hey, let's get together in a year and see what's going on. And um, and I, I look at the statistics for the exam uh, really on a daily basis, but I reported out uh, to the the folks within DAU and DOD that uh, that need to see these stats. And uh, I'm happy to report by that as of yesterday, uh, we've had um, about 700, uh, a little over 700 total examinees have signed up and taken the exam. Uh, and and that that equates to about 750 exams delivered. That that counts first and second attempts, but yeah, seven over 700 folks from the uh, the defense acquisition workforce so far. So those are some great numbers. Hey, Darren, so what, uh, based on, I know you've collected a lot of statistics. So what are you seeing as the average scores and the passing rate so far? Yeah, Jim, um, it's another good question. Let me go back to uh, back when we were during the development you know, the, uh, the 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 DOD contracting functional integration team was heavily involved along the way in, in helping us make some determinations as to what we wanted to see, the the uh, the the scores and the passing rates or how we wanted those to fall out. Um, and, and so before we launched the exam, um, you know, we we relied heavily on what's going on out there in the uh, in the in industry with other similar certification exams and where we wound up was a 70 percent passing rate was what we were looking for and also incidentally that equated to a 70 percent um passing score as well so uh it you know it requires a 70 percent passing score and we were hoping to get 70 percent or better as the passing rate right so that's seven out of 10 people taking the exam, we want them to pay, pass it at least on the first attempt. Um, but we really didn't know once we launched it how that was really going to work until, you know, our uh, plan met up against reality. And now that we've got over 700 data points, uh, it's shaking out to about an average, an overall pass rate uh, as of this week of about 82. So a little over eight out of 10 examinees uh, pass the exam. Um, now on first attempt, that's usually, it's close to eight out of 10 as well. So uh, we are pleased. We think that uh, demonstrates that we've developed and launched a, a challenging yet ach achievable exam that neither everybody fails on the first attempt nor everybody passes with flying colors. Uh, so it's not too easy. It's not too hard. It's right where we had hoped it would be and as well the fit. So we're happy with that. Okay, so you implied that there's a difference between the first attempt and maybe successive attempts? Right, so uh, if you'll remember, and hopefully some of the folks that uh, might watch this video, 
um, will will know that you know this isn't a one and done uh, exam. Um, the way the exam was set up was you know it's part of the overall back to basics contracting certification framework, and it's just one element of the certification process. So um, we wanted to make sure that people, even if you don't pass it the first time, uh, you have more than one chance to take it. And the, the rules that were set forth were, hey, you cannot take it more than three times in a 12 month period. Uh, and you have to have at least 30 days between attempts. So for those that didn't find themselves in that 80% bucket the first time around, um, we're seeing that, hey, they, you know, they give themselves a couple of months to go back, do some remedial uh, studies and are coming back and taking it a second time. Uh, and I just looked at those numbers this morning. You know, the the first time out, it, it's showing that we're getting about 77 percent of, uh, of examinees will pass that first time. Um, and then the second attempt. So whoever makes it through doesn't make it the first time. The grouping of people that go out and try it for the second time, uh, we're looking at an 81 percent pass rate for them. Um, and even then, if uh, somebody doesn't make it after the second time, we have had a few that have to, had to go and make an attempt a third time. Uh, you're looking at a an 80 percent pass rate. So four out of five that have to take it a third time. Uh, so, you know, the. The takeaway there is, uh, you know, don't get discouraged. A lot of people have done this ahead of you now. Uh, you know, many have success the first time, many have success the second time, and even for those that have to take it a third time, uh, there's a, a pretty high success rate. So, uh, you know, every student is different. Every examinee is different. Every employee is different. Not everybody's ready to take that at the 12 month mark. Uh, you know, some people need a little bit more time to um to blossom right so just something to take into account great good information thanks for darren yes thanks darren hey, can you address if we're seeing any differences in the performance between exams when a person takes it at a physical test center as opposed to those who take it uh and deliver virtually right it's a good good question um we didn't even realize this, you know, looking back when we launched this exam, we were coming out of the, the tail end of COVID. And one of the things that, um, you know, that we determined was gonna be important is for those that need to be able to take this exam virtually, uh, we need to have that option. So that was one of the requirements in the contract when we awarded that. And incidentally, it was awarded to a company called Pearson View. Um, so they are, uh, you know, examinees have the option uh, to go and take it at a physical test center, uh, whether that be a technical college, a community college, or an actual Pearson View brick and mortar test center, or if they so desire, they can take it virtually at home on their home computer. Uh, lots of information out there about that if somebody wants to know more about it. But what we started seeing a few months in was it looked like there was a disparity between the pass rates and the average scores for uh, people, you know, examinees that were taking it virtually than those who were taking it uh, in person. Um, so I did some investigating. I even asked Pearson View. I said, is anybody else seeing this? Is there any disparity in those those rates? And, and sure enough, they're saying that across the board, generally speaking, uh, you're gonna see 
um, pass rates a little bit higher for those that take it in person versus virtually. Now, there's no one single reason why this is, and I've I've talked with Pearson View and some other customers, and you know, there's uh, it's just a little bit of a different experience. You're taking the same exam. But for instance, if you have IT difficulties or other issues that you may have trying to take it virtually, whether you know it or not, you know, my thoughts are that that adds a layer of stress. Uh, and if you're already prone to test anxiety, it doesn't help when you are restricted to the virtual environment. Um, so we typically see uh, about a, let me, I've got a slide. I wanna pull this up and make sure I get my numbers right. About a 7% greater pass rate for those that take it in person uh, and an, an average score um, that's about 3% higher uh, taking it in person versus virtually. Now, that doesn't mean we haven't had a myriad of people take it virtually successfully. Uh, I just met one yesterday and they actually gave me positive feedback and said, look, you know, they're there's some administrative and logistics logistical difficulties but if you plan and if you read ahead and actually go onto the site and are familiar with and ready for all the things that you're going to encounter virtually then you have just as great of chance of success as if you take it uh you know in person but statistics are stati statistics right so we just encourage uh examinees to um you know, have the information, know what you're, you know, uh, and then you have to know thyself, right? If if you are not intimidated by doing it virtually, then by all means, if that's uh, what you think is best for you, do that. Otherwise, seek it out. There's plenty of test centers out there. Well, thanks, Darren. And just to follow up a little bit on and pull on that thread a little bit, is there anything else you can add that could help people increase their chances for success? Well, that's that's the big question, right? Um, every, you know, everybody looks at this, and I, understandably, because I teach the prep course, and I, I actually interact with a lot of students, and there are those that look at this as this is just checkbox. I've got to get to my certification, and and it's a hoop I have to jump through. So the first thing I do would be encourage them to look at the broader picture. Um, you know, when you think about your contracting career. Uh, you could potentially be doing this or federal government, civil service, whatever, 30, 40 years of your life. Um, sometimes you have to slow down to speed up, right? So I, I would say uh, don't be in a great hurry. Don't look at this as just a box you have to check, but look at it as an opportunity to actually learn some foundational knowledge and skills. Um, Take that prep course if you can in per, uh, virtually the the 3900 uh, V, which is instructor led, or if not, there is a Con 3910, which is a um, uh, which is a self-paced version of that instructor led course that uh, we are encouraging uh, students to go and take. So you can take that at your own pace. It's all the same material. You have opportunity to take. Uh, practice quizzes and the practice exam as many times as you want. Um, secondly, I, I would say don't just, if you are taking the practice exam and, um, you know, don't just focus on getting good at the practice exam or the quizzes, but look at the material in the course. And every time it says, you know, 
you know, CFAR uh, 15.104 for more information, just using that as an example. Well, actually go into the FAR and, you know, read up and down and zoom out a little bit and seek to understand that that subsection or section of the FAR where that course refers you to. Uh, and not just to be able to memorize and parrot back the the uh, practice exam questions, because the reality is, uh, even though the practice exam questions were pulled from the same database that the actual exam questions were pulled from, they are different, right? So we've we've had that feedback. A couple of people said, "Look, I I aced that practice exam, and then I didn't do as well on the real exam." Well. The exam is not there to practice or to test the practice exam. You're, you you need to be focusing on those 19 competencies and the competency model, right? Also, uh, just some basic stuff. It's not going to hurt you to know the FAR parts, especially the 20 that we have called out in the concept card. Um, it, it's never going to hurt to know the UCF sections and titles. And what about the forms that we commonly use? I, I might want to know the form numbers and the titles and what they're used for. You know, those are some easy things that you can you can learn, put on the shelf, and that'll help you also on the exam. So there's right, a few tidbits. You bet. All right, that's that's good stuff, Darren. Anything we can do to help our our students out there learn not just for the exam but also for their job, right? That's 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 the key uh, yeah. of all this. So what's next? I mean, it's been out for a year. So what are you planning out in the future? You know, any updates or anything else? Right. So um, and, and this is when I'm asked this question, I like to remind myself even and, and anyone who's asking that, you know, we didn't create. We didn't create this out of whole cloth, and when I say that, I mean we leaned against, um, you know, standard industry practice. We looked at some other certification exams. We looked at what PMI is doing for the PMP exam. We looked at what NCMA does for those certification exams, um, and we looked at a few others. And the one common theme, especially if those uh, any of those exams uh, are ANSI certified, was that hey, you need to be looking at this and um, you know, look at the item, the exam item performance on a periodic recurring basis. Meaning we're gonna go in there and I'm gonna look at data here this summer. Uh, and Jim, I'm, I know you're a data guy. I'm gonna be sharing this with you because uh, I know you're gonna ask me for it. Do we have some questions that are missed 100% of the time? Do we have some that 100% of the people get right? Uh, there's, and I'm not going to look at that arbitrarily. There's there's actually uh, you know um, there's actually some methodical ways you look at those sorts of data points to determine whether a question is good or not. So we're going to do that. Um, we're going to be leaning on those industry practices to do that analysis. Now that we've got several hundred data points, I think it's it's a good opportunity for us to go in and look. Um, we're also going to be folding in more questions. So you know. Uh, these aren't the same 150 questions every time the exam is delivered. Uh, we already have um, multiple, uh, or we have more than 150 questions in the database that are getting delivered now, but our goal is to continue adding, right? Um, not just to keep the exam fresh, but also to uh, maintain a heightened uh, degree of security, exam uh, security. So we'll be looking to do that as well. 
And that's all going to happen this summer. Okay, great. Uh, I know I have at least one person that's on that team. And so it's good to hear that you're going to keep it fresh. So before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to discuss when it comes to this exam? Um, well, I tell you, it's been a, uh, you know, as part of the development team, and I didn't foresee that, uh, uh, you know, this would turn into a, a long term. It's almost like managing a program, really. You know, I'm, I'm called a learning asset manager, but this is a different than any other learning asset. This is something that, um, you know, was new to DOU, uh, DAU, new to DOD, and uh, I was proud to be on a team, not only to develop it, but it's uh, it's pretty satisfying to be able to be part of the sustainment and maintenance, and it's growing. Uh, you know, the, you know, this exam serves the contracting functional area for DOD. Uh, the APM or the PM functional area has also followed suit. And, uh, you know, we worked with them closely for their development of their two exams, and they're also being delivered by Pearson View. Um, other people have been watching the success and uh, some that are outside of DA, DOD in the federal acquisition workforce uh, might be hearing the news that um, FAI is looking to adopt our exam for the new FACC certification. In fact, there's already been some memos, I think, floated out in the workforce. And uh, I mean, incidentally, I'm meeting with Pearson View and FAI as soon as we get done here. So uh, that's happening. Uh, I, you know, I think they're looking to launch that this summer. Um, so the success continues to grow. I, and I think it's because uh, it's because we've done a good job and the exam is doing what uh, the DA, uh, the DOD contracting leadership intended it for it to do. And it's a good indicator of that um, readiness to proceed in the in the contracting career field. That's exciting, uh, especially if, you know, you have those folks in the federal workforce, contracting workforce, taking the same exam. It kind of gives it a little more credibility that, hey, hey, maybe these would be good people to easily transition back and forth, right? from the federal workforce to the DOD contracting workforce. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that happens. But uh, I know Scott and I just met the FIA folks just recently, and it was a, it was a pleasure uh, meeting them. Uh, yep. So that's all we have for today, Darren. It's good to have you back. Well, hey, let's do this at the two-year mark. Oh, definitely. We, 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 it'd be great to hear what it's like uh, at, at the two-year mark. So uh, we'll definitely want to have you back. So for everyone out there, this is all the time we have for today. Please, if you haven't already, go to YouTube or uh, Apple Podcasts or DAU Media and subscribe. All right, subscribe to the podcast or to the video on YouTube or DAU Media. The reason why we ask you to do that is you will get notified. As soon as we post it, and we try to post every week, our goal is every Wednesday, uh, you will get, automatically get that. So please do that, and we hope that... That will help answer the questions that your folks have. So let us help you help your folks. And please, if you have any ideas of what we should topics we should talk about, uh, please put them in the chat uh, underneath the description of the video. So thank you so much. And we look forward to having future contracting conversations with you.